the 21st EY Entrepreneur of the Year is Peter and Daniel, teamwork.com. <laughs>
And if you have to get rid of them, it's easy to get them off. <laughs> but all the products work seamlessly together. But they always, um, each product as well, stand on, stands on its own two feet. Of and course, but yeah. once you have built that relationship with one of your customers with product X, it's much yeah. easier then to oh, sell absolutely. them cross selling uh, ZX and yeah. whatever else. Yeah. When they come to love, love what we do, love our support, love what we stand for, love the quality of the software, they start exploring our other products. And uh, its strategy seems to be working. We have 24,000 customers all around the world, including some of the biggest businesses in the world, which is amazing because it's, it's this little thing the two of us started in a dodgy office in Cork and uh, just built it out of our imagination, really. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of hard work, blood, sweat and tears went into it over the years because we had our consultancy business on the side in the early days. And um, we, this was just a side project and now this thing. And now it's turned into something it's, much, it's yeah, much bigger. Like we're very proud to see the likes of um, Microsoft Game Studios, Spotify, eBay, brands that we love using something that we created ourselves. Netflix, you know. PayPal. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a big one. And uh, yeah. Disney as well, which were our first enterprise client a couple wow. of years back. So that's that's no sweet. Mickey Mouse company. No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, why don't you take me back much earlier in time to... Uh, to I suppose to when you were finding your love of this technology, um, you know, where did it all come from? I think, I mean, we left school at, I think it was 97, and went to college. Um, I did electronic engineering. Um, I missed the points for <laughs> computer science by 10, but um, I badgered the head of maths and computing to let me into the course every day for a year. Um, and he put me into the maths and computing course. And I thought I was going to find people with the same kind of um, passions I had for for writing software and I didn't I was a bit disillusioned but then I met him down in the labs and um, I kind of saw him down the corner he was doing the same kind of thing and um, didn't really want to go up and and say hello and all that kind of stuff so at that time as well we were um, the internet was just kind of happening and it was easy when you're in college to get like an easy 300 quid for to go to on, on the lash, yeah, <laughs> yeah. doing a couple of websites for bars and stuff, and um, I'd go into a bar in town and I'd say, "Look, do your website, three hundred quid." You got to remember the internet is just happening there. Be what's a website? Yeah, they're like, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? But a few of them anyway were kind of up there, and we went, "Yeah, we'll do your website, three hundred quid." And they said, "Weren't you in here yesterday?" I was like, "No," and went to the next bar and they said. No, you were in here yesterday. I said, no. <laughs> Turns out... So I got to all the pubs and bars in Cork <laughs> before him, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so what, you were doing the same thing? We were doing the exact same thing without knowing each other. And um, I hated him as he was taking <laughs> off my business in town. But um, when so we got talking... So yeah, I mean, we, uh, I think you were called Future ID. Yeah. I mean, we made, we made up company names. I remember somebody actually went to a bar selling a website and he's like, what's your VAT number? I'm like, what, well, what is a VAT number? <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, from my perspective, I, when I was 10 years old, I knew I always wanted to build a big company. I was inspired by Bill Gates. I was, I was that nerd in the town, the computer guy, as probably known as in the town. And uh, I used to get the notes off um, friends of mine that were in college because it was hard to get information back then, pre-internet. And uh, taught myself uh, programming before I got to college. Couldn't wait to get to college, find like-minded people, take over the world. And when I got there, people there weren't really into it as much as I was. And uh, finally, two years later, bumped into Dan. We ended up dropping out of college. And we thought there's money to be made in this internet thing. And And you're right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We started doing doing (laughs) websites. And uh, there's no money to be made in websites as well. It took us seven years to realize that. Yeah, I think we we always wanted to be game developers. That was we had a passion for games, we had a passion for programming, and we wanted to make games. Um, There's no money in games, not at that time. So (laughs) for Fortnite now, making yeah, two hundred million a month. No, it's a different game. But um, But it's a different world now, isn't it? It is. As you say, that was back. What was it? Nineteen ninety-seven, and the internet was just beginning. So nineteen ninety-nine, we started uh, in the consultancy, and we were building websites, and um, we progressed from websites into web applications. Then, 
and we got a lucky break one day from um, Pfizer. Yeah, Pfizer, and they were looking to build this um, this big knowledge kind of sharing best process type application. And he, I mean, there were lots of big companies out there at the time tendering for this. And um, I think he recognised something in us, and just just liked our, our hustle. I think. Yeah. Was that the hometown advantage? Because Pfizer down in. No, because we were up against a couple of uh, incumbents in the town. Okay. Uh, we came in, and we were the we were the new guys, and they thought, look, let's let's give it to these guys and see what'll happen. And that from that, we went on to do, I'd say, over fifty applications for Pfizer over the next three years. Yeah. Which kept us alive. And using the name Pfizer, then we got into the likes of Lily, and then we did applications for Little and other big kind of web app, media apps. Then you know. But we always wanted to get out of this uh, this consultancy world. It, we, it was never what we wanted to do with our lives. Yeah. And one day we just <coughs> the business was uh, was tipping away. One day we said, "Look, you know, we're, we got to make this work, or we got to go get real jobs." We said we'll give it a year. Um, we'll try it for a year, and if it doesn't work, we'll go away and we'll hit up the people in Pfizer and stuff that took a shot on us and give us a job. But I mean, you were getting contracts with with Pfizer, with Lidl, <coughs> with with uh, Lilly, the pharmaceutical firm. I mean. You know, what, what, some people might think that that is a great start to a great business. What was it about that business That's that really brilliant. wasn't working for you and then you wanted to start something else? It, it was a couple yeah. of things. I mean, yeah. we had never worked anywhere else. So we didn't know the right way to run a business. Yeah, so Str- we were just two developers straight into it. So uh, I'll tell you now, we, we were spending the VAT money. We weren't doing stage payments. We weren't charging enough. We no weren't contracts. charging for all the extras. There was never a contract. Uh, one day, that day we said, all right, we've got, got to make this work. We wised up. So overnight, we doubled our prices. We said, look, we're going to go to business. Uh, we started charging her all the extras. We started doing contracts. We started doing stage payments, and suddenly we had a thriving business. Just like just you overnight. had to grow up. Yeah, yeah. One, one of our customers. I remember uh, it was CIT actually. He rang me and he said, "I sent we sent an email to all our customers saying, look, sorry, our prices have gone up.'" And he he picked oh, up the phone. He's like, "What took you? What took you so long?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was uh, a moment of realization that maybe you've been missing out on something all this yeah. time. So yeah. we went from struggling consultancy to thriving consultancy. But then we were completely uh, disorganized, disorganized, too much work going on, yeah. answering customers in the order who's screaming the loudest. We had a whiteboard in the corner of the office that listed our projects, milestones, um, what different phases, different things they're at. And we thought there has to be a better way to run a business. Ah, and I sense uh, an idea coming here. This is a masterstroke <laughs> of an idea, a light bulb moment. Tell us about that. Yeah, I suppose there were... Um, I mean, as Peter said, we had this big whiteboard and we just put our name and then somebody would ring and they screamed, oh, where's my thing? And we'd shift that around on the whiteboard and it wasn't efficient. So we looked at a couple of the apps out there at the time. And I won't even name them now, but there was about three. And um, we looked at them and we said we'd give one of them a go. And the problem with that software was it forced us to do things in the way that that so- software was developed to do. And that's not how we work. So using our skills and knowing that we could do a better job because we're building fairly sophisticated apps for like Pfizer and Little and Lily, and we said we'll build our own. So, um, so we did. So yeah, the side project. Yeah, but that side project became our passion. We worked. In, it's all we talked about every single morning. We met for coffee. We still do for years. Uh, all we could talk about was this project. How we're getting on. How excited we are about it. As soon as we finished work. We were just working on this project every evening, every weekend, all night sometimes. And um, over the course of of course of a couple of weeks, I mean, version one came together. We started using it to run our consultancy. And then we seen all the rough edges and we started getting ideas about how it could be better, how it could be more efficient. What if we showed this? What if we showed that? And we added some great features that we needed ourselves. So like, um, I won't bore you with the details now, but but, but the, other, the other project management software, were, they didn't really adapt to the real world was we modified our software to really adapt to the real world, if that makes sense. So things like infinite subtasks, 
the ability to assign a task to multiple people, the ability to attach the files directly to the task so you don't have to go rooting around it, the ability to forward in the emails directly into the project. It was much more sophisticated than, than what was out there in the market. Yeah, it was everything that we needed at the time. And uh, like I'd come in the morning and I'd load up the latest version and I'd be going, whoa, class, he added this, or vice versa, you know. So at that time, we were very agile. We were two developers. If we saw something broken, we'd just go in and fix it. So at what stage, and was it always part of the plan to transform it from being a tool that you guys use into something that you can push out there and sell? Yeah, I think it was because you got to remember, we looked at the three different products that were out there and we were like, these are terrible. These are so basic. And these guys know we're making And these, these guys are making a bit of money. And we're like, well, I think there's, a, there's an opportunity here. So yeah, from day one, we were thinking this is this is what's going to get us out of the consultancy trap. Is what we would started yeah. referring to it. We t- we thought of ourselves like that hamster in the wheel that the wheel might get bigger, but we're never going to get out of it. I think the important thing we did as well is we started to treat ourselves working on teamwork like a client. So we started. Um, we said right every single Friday now we start working on teamwork, and then we'd say every Thursday and Friday we'd start working, and we were scaling back the consultancy while working on something as, that we, as we got a bit of loved traction. Doing. Yeah. So then how did you or you know finally make that that kind of transition from being a couple of web developers in Cork uh, yeah. selling your services locally to being a company trying to sell a software platform that you've developed to 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 you know bigger corporates yeah. all over the world. There wasn't this massive plan. We <laughs> <laughs> going back to I think we launched it October 4 2007. Yeah. We we put up the worst website in the world. I mean literally we put hammered the it together in a couple of hours. We picked a domain name. We knew we wanted to call it Teamwork, but Teamwork.com was unavailable. Come back to that later. Mm. Um, so we got the worst domain name ever, TeamworkPM.net. A mouthful. That's, right? that's quite a mouthful. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, so the worst domain name ever shows how little we knew about marketing and sales and positioning and everything else. So we launched this website. We gave each other a high five. We wired up PayPal. 10 o'clock at night, gave each other a high five. And we took a picture. I remember the first, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for first selfie ever. And uh, we went home to bed. And then uh, three weeks later, we got our first sale. And it was uh, $120 or $187 on our first month. But it's recurring revenue. So um, who bought it and why did they take a chance on you? It was a company called RAPP, R-A-P-P in the UK. Don't know how they found us. Did they know that they were the first no, customer? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like this big, amazing the, product, you know. It's that beautiful thing, you know, on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And did they ever find out, I mean? I mean, did, did you have to... What was your level of interaction with RAP? This, this, this is the beautiful thing about the software. I mean, it was completely self-service. We're, right. we're, so this thing lives on the internet. We're doing our day job. We're like, oh, look at that, we got a customer. And I remember in the early days, we used to have Homer Simpson play pizza money every time we got a sale. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but it, it was it was kind of low touch. I mean, we'd have a little bit of support around it, a few questions, a few suggestions on how we could improve it. But we were always ultra responsive with these customers and their suggestions. Yeah, so and at that time as well, um, it was fortuitous that the iPhone just came out, mm, and we're all over true. technology. So we went to New York. Your sister got two iPhones, isn't it? Brought it back. Yeah. So we're hooked up now, and we're live twenty four seven. We're able to respond to customers just like that, and. Um, I think that kind of instilled a, a deep understanding of the customer and how they can benefit our product. And if we just listened to them and do what they asked, we would do So I us. think the fact that we were a consultancy ourselves for seven years gave us the insight on what a consultancy needs. Yeah, you that know? was that's very know? true. We actually yeah. started, we actually had clients as well in the consultancy using Teamwork. So we actually made a decision that if they sent us an email, it would get lost. So we forced them to use Teamwork. And then we could learn 
how clients would use it or something. And they were like, what is this thing? We were like, oh. They were like, we don't want to use this. We're going, you're going to use this. <laughs> so listen, when did, uh, you know, your first, what was it, 187, what currency, what currency are we talking about? Dollars. Dollars. Everything dollars. dollars. Everything's yeah. in dollars. When did that become much, something much bigger? Um, so it took three years to get the 30,000 monthly yeah. recurring revenue. And at that stage, we were like, holy shit, this thing is exploding and our consultancy is burning in 15,000 a month. So it was a no-brainer. So we probably left it too late. We just really wanted to be sure. Yeah, we had other things on site as well. We had a gaming cafe in Cork. We literally stopped everything. We said, this is the one we're going to go after and we're going to concentrate in this. And at 30,000, with a couple of staff, we said to our staff, look, this is what we're going to do. Do you want to come with us on this ride or do you want to go the other route, which was we found a company in Cork that we worked very well with. They had the same values as us. They're sound guys. And um, always we said to them, look, you can have all our customer base and just look after them first. So we they did that. They did a superb job. There was mm-hmm. a bit of handover. Yeah. But now we're free to work on our dream. Yeah. So, so you mentioned job. some big names earlier. What yep. was the first kind of of the big names that came to you that made you feel like, good R- God, we've, we've actually, we're, we're cracking something here. Rap. <laughs> Rap. Well, <come> on. <laughs> the, the next one then. Um, so the, the, we got this point where there was thousands signing up every day. And we weren't even looking at them. You know, we were just too busy. And it was completely self-service. But then a couple of years later, so after we bought Teamwork.com and relaunched, and we can tell you that story in a minute. We're skipping ahead yeah. years now. Well, actually, will we tell you, you, you we'll mentioned tell you that, that now story, because yeah. it was, um, yeah. I, I think I'm aware of it, and it was a big breakthrough for you. You had Absolutely. this horrible domain name. It was yep. again, teamworkpm.net, yeah, which everyone just rolls off the tongue. Absolutely. So uh, let, and you wanted teamwork. So the background there on that one, right? Yeah, yeah go on. So <laughs> ever since we started, we wanted to make products. So when we started making websites, there's no point in reinventing the wheel all the time. So we built this system called um, a CMS, right? And we called it Teamwork CMS. So then when we launched a product, Teamwork was an important word in the company, and we needed project manager, so we said Teamwork PM. Teamwork and then it was .net, because it was the next thing after .com, and .com was like up here. And uh, You mean too expensive? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what, what kind of money was .com at the time? Why were you turning that down at that so, stage? So we emailed the guy. So you can find out who owns the domain name, look it up. And uh, we emailed this guy, and he's just sends us back one link and we click the link and it opens a web page that lists all these one word websites that have just sold for insane money so sex.com for 16 million pets.com for 20 million insure.com for 18 million dollars and we just okay all right, this guy obviously wants so nine dollars there looks attractive yeah Yeah. quite quite (laughs) so fast forward a few years and every now and again we'd be like oh if we got teamwork.com might really help with our branding because we had a great product really really good product with the worst sales and marketing effort in the world and we were like, if we could just get this name, it would give us that credibility. And I think separately, the two of us over the next few years reached out and we kept getting... What kind of prices was he quoting? He, um, he typically would just ignore us or send us this link a couple of times. And eventually, I emailed the guy. I was in the pub in Cork, of course. And I eventually emailed the guy. Of course. And I said, final offer, $50,000. And uh, amazingly, I actually got a reply instantly. And it was three words. Same lowball offer. And I was like, oh, this guy, this guy. So um, I said, look, for the love of God, give me a realistic price. And he shot back instantly. I'd consider $675,000. So I looked that up. That was exactly half a million euro. So I checked our bank account from the pub. We had 530000 in the bank, every penny we'd saved up. And at that stage, no, we had about 13 staff, maybe. Yeah. So there were... That was their wage bill, was it? Yeah, for it was. <laughs> that was it. Like, so, uh, so I replied to this guy and I said, sold. Let me just consult the board. That is if we had a board. <laughs> we didn't even know the board was. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I remember ringing my wife, uh, my girlfriend at the time, and um, 
She said, oh, you didn't do it. I said, yeah, you just bought. I just spent half a million euro. Holy shit. So the next day I came home from work and she said, did you tell him? <laughs> and I said, I, I bottled it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> so all day I was trying to tell him and I, that, look, I, you know, I've just spent half a million euro. So the next day I was like, all right, we've got to do this. So I asked Dan and Billy to the board. The board, board yeah, uh, or CFO, uh, to come in and you know I, I phrased it as if um, it wasn't an deal. I said, look, we have an offer to buy Teamwork.com for half a million euro. I think we should do it. And the two guys were, to say the least, a bit resistant to spending our entire savings on a bloody domain name. Um, yeah, I think I mean at that time as well, as Peter said, we were reaching out. I had found this crowd, TeamworkPM.com, and they were a property management company down in Florida. So I offered them fifty grand, and I said, look. We'll do your a new website because your current one is shit, and <laughs> we'll put our CMS on it and everything. Never heard back from them, but um, yeah, I was kind of lucky now that it, it took yeah, made that. But move. it took my uh, Martin Luther King speech to get him over the line. Oh, which bit of the Martin Luther? So King I was speech like, I have, I, have a dr- I have a dream. <laughs> so look, I said, look, I had a dream as well, and it was like a Maserati. <laughs> <Two> Maserati. <laughs> yeah. But listen, so the, the dream, the dreams come true, and you're well on your way. Looking back now on that decision, yeah. uh, was it money well spent? Absolutely. And we were looking, as Peter said earlier, recurring revenue is the best revenue and it's predictable revenue. And we had that money in the bank and it was, um, we knew that we would get to that level again with three months, was it? Four months? Yeah, like, or, or the money we were taking every month in every month was more than enough to cover our expenses. Yeah. So we were safe. In that and what regard. kind of a difference then did you see from having that, so, that name? Hockey stick is the yeah. only word for it. Yeah. So we launched, uh, two months later, we launched, what year was that? It was 2011. Uh, anyway, we launched. This, we had a big, um, a big party up here in the Guinness Storehouse. Actually, so yeah. we go up to the big smoke, like. <laughs> <laughs> so we launched. Uh, we launched Teamwork.com January the first, and um, from that moment, our sales took off. Because I suppose we went from a terrible brand to a really good brand. Plus, we improved our image and our website and everything. And our product was always good. It just had terrible positioning, sales, and, and the name. And we saw as well that ten percent of new business coming onto the uh, onto the platform were, it was coming from referrals. And a lot of our business was in North America, and they just could not. They just couldn't understand the name. They were like team repeating the. Yeah, well. they just couldn't <laughs> refer it. So the minute we had this now, and it gave weight with a one-word domain, and this credibility built and up. Suddenly, we started getting listed on all these these um, websites that list top ten project management apps. We never made those lists, even though our app was brilliant. Yeah. Never once made those lists. Suddenly, with the new name, we were number three in those lists. So you've been growing steadily, uh, perhaps better than steadily ever since. And one really interesting aspect of your story, which I, I, I read about, was that you've done it all by yourselves. There's no been, been no fundraising drives or anything yep. like that. You're not brought in any outside investment. Was that a kind of a deliberate strategy or is no. that just how it panned out? I'll tell you now how that <laughs> panned out, right? I thought, and I think you thought as well, one, one, like, we didn't know what VC was and we didn't know the, you know, what happens when you take VC? I actually thought it was like a bank loan. Do you know, you mm. take 20 quid, you pay back 20 quid, and we didn't want to be on the It's an alien it. experience, venture capital, it to is, anyone who's not it. familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, in the early, early days, we were just beautifully naive. We were like, yeah. you build the thing, you sell the thing, it's that simple. Uh, why do we need the money? Because it's we had the consultancy on the side, so we were okay to that degree. Yeah. And um, it's, it's just after getting so much cheaper to build software now than it was before, uh, especially today. I mean, Was it the right call, though? Because, I mean, might you have grown more quickly... Uh, had you brought in some outside investment? Absolutely, but looking back, I'm not. I don't regret it one bit. No, I think it's. Um, we're very proud of the fact that we're bootstrapped. We've done it on our own. We're debt free. Um, profitable, profitable, yeah. which is <laughs> an important nice. one. Yeah. 
But um, it allows us to make these decisions as well without having to go through board meetings and, you know, we can just do it. Mm. And you've turned your hometown into a tech hub. We've tried. We're trying. Yeah. Trying. <laughs> yeah. Underway. I mean, you've got one of your, your kind of your classic tech company headquarters there. Here you've got a slide. We've two slides. Two, two yeah. slides. Two, not, half, not two half done. Two, two slides. slides. Yeah. Two slides. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and do you use that every day? Do you know what? Um, half our staff are afraid of it because it's quite fast. <laughs> there are two times those slides are used. Pizza Friday. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then when the servers go down and everyone's <laughs> heading out the door. <laughs> yeah, a very efficient way to move people around a building. Yeah. Uh, and you were talking about you're trying to turn your hometown into, into a tech hub because I know you moved into some kind of, you know, glitzy, swanky new yeah. offices lately, but your old offices are serving a new purpose. Yeah, so um, so I suppose you know, I stopped and had a good think about, you know, where do we want to go? We can, so part of the business is about making money. But another part of it is about helping the world be a better place. So one of the things we do is we give 1% of all our profits to good causes. And it's the staff that get to decide that. But also thinking about, you know, what I, what I want personally from my career is to make Ireland more sassy. And what I mean by that is I don't think we have enough indigenous SaaS companies in Ireland. We're a bit over-reliant on the multinationals coming in here. SaaS being software, software as a service, service is what so, you guys so company, do. Companies like us. Yeah. It's, Which it, lends itself really well to that term, SaaS. Yeah. Well yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you think that one up? <laughs> I, I think I, I got that. Right? We're like the Borg. We just take good ideas from Ireland <laughs> to simulate them. In. So you're trying to plant the seed for more SaaS companies yeah. so, in, in Ireland. So yeah. We, yeah, exactly. And um so to help to some degree, when we moved into our new office and we still had a bit of lease in our old office, we thought uh, instead of subletting it, why don't we give this, turn this into an incubator? And this was a good office now. I mean, that was our, our pinnacle of offices at the time. So we put an awful lot of work into doing up the interior, making it a fun environment, pool tables, snacks, Game everything. Rooms, so okay. it really was. I mean, what's the point just giving that up? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So put we the money we always had this idea that if, we, if you could just provide coffee, internet and snacks, to startups, it would really accelerate them along. You know, we think if um, if we had this opportunity, free office, internet, snacks, coffee, a little bit of mentoring, we could have skipped those consultancy years maybe and started a business. It's earlier. all about the snacks, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably to a lesser degree with the coffee. Uh, how's More that with pro- coffee. How's that project going? <laughs> Absolutely. It's going really well, yeah. I mean, yeah. So we've, the lease came up in the office. We were actually, we think the office is a little bit too far outside Cork City. So now we're, we're moving it into town. Oh, wow. And we're exploring some options there. So watch the space. Good but uh, I think at the moment, I think we've, uh, is it 14? I think there's 15. And startups in there. I guarantee at least three of them you'll talk to in the future. Good. Look forward to that. Yeah. So talking of the future, what do the next 10 years look like for you guys? So actually, I think last year we sat down and we adopted this new framework to run the business and to get more organized and more efficient. And it's called the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And part of that is to set out your 10-year vision and get your three-year picture and your one-year plan and break your one-year plan in down to four quarters. I'm smelling a new product here as well. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You, could <laughs> well be, you could well be. So everybody in the whole company adopts the same way of operating their specific mm. function. So everybody is going in the same way. But we, we had to sit down as part of this process yeah. and think about where do we want to be in 10 years? And we we never really properly set down and wrote it down. And uh, we said, okay, we want to be generating 450 million recurring revenue uh, and have a suite of internet applications that we call the, a business operating system um, and be a market leader in this new emerging space. So that's it. That's the and, how and that 450 now wasn't just pulled out of thin air. That was based on our current growth rate and projecting out over 10 years. How close are you to that? 
Oh, we're, we're, we're absolutely on away. track. <laughs> oh, we're, we're on track. You've got the tools to measure it. Yeah, I mean, oh, we have the tools to measure it, but like, I mean, so 10 we, years is a long we time. Need, we need 30 to 40% growth every year to get this. Yeah. And um, this year, it looks like we'll grow 35%. We were hoping 40. I think it'll be more 35. But we have two new products coming out next year, plus a rebrand coming in January. Oh, so wow. What's what? the rebrand all about? So we're keeping teamwork.com, of course, after spending half a million <laughs> yes. euros on it. <laughs> Can't throw that out. But uh, we just think uh, the current logo is a bit dated. And also, we don't think we do enough to get it to explain our brand promise. I mean, we are fanatical about customer, su- customer success and customer support, and we don't get that across at the moment. So the new, the new brand is just all about better positioning, explaining the concept of the business operating system, how all these different products integrate together to really drive efficiency in your business and so on. Yeah. And listen, are you going to continue doing all this by yourselves or getting to that 10-year plan? Does that involve partnering with another player or perhaps... It, 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 we hate to say this, but it might. Yeah. You know, so we've, we've grown up a bit, I think, in the last few years. Um, we kind of realize now that there's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in the market right now and that we're perfectly positioned to take advantage. But we can only grow so fast out of profits, reinvesting the profits in every year. So we can, at the moment, we can only uh, afford to build two new products. Um, if maybe if we had a bit more money, we could build four new products and go a little yeah, bit and faster. And do a little bit faster than, you know. Mm. So, uh, so if the VCs are watching, so everything's on the table. It could be debt, it could be... Venture debt is certainly and, something yeah. we'd consider because um, we know we could pay it back. We've had heard about other people having success with it. So yeah, if you do venture debt, uh, bang us an email. <laughs> <laughs> bang him an email. And <laughs> first, first stuff, though, before, long before that, next year, you're off to Monaco. Yeah, for, yeah uh, it's the, 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 be the world final. Uh, and that'll be a, a you know right breeding ground of potential clients, won't it? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think uh, winning this certainly like we've always struggled. Well, in Ireland, actually, a couple of years ago, nobody knew who we were. Um, we were fine with that because we were like, all our customers are overseas. I mean, we don't need to make a song and dance. And then we were like, why is nobody applying for jobs? Yeah, because nobody knows who we are. Challenge. So, so winning, uh, winning Entrepreneur of the Year is fantastic to get our brand out there, a bit of exposure and help with recruiting and everything. Monaco is going to take that to the next level again and fantastic. help. Um, I think winning this as well has been great for the staff. I know there's 230 yeah. <laughs> extremely happy people from Teamwork mm. and they know the that they're Monday. part of this. Oh, no, actually, well, it's Friday today. No, it's Friday. It's Friday. Well, as we're recording, it's Friday. So it could be a very happy pizza Friday. Pizza and champagne Friday. It maybe. could yeah. be. It could be. Well, we, we, did promise the them office, a, we did promise them a party last yeah. night. So, yeah. Okay. Game on. Very good. Well, enjoy it. Dan Mackey, Peter Kaufman. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Congratulations again. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you. You're listening to the Architects of Business on Joe in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Visit eoy.ie to find out more about the programme and this year's finalists. Get in touch. Mail us on thearchitectsofbusiness at joe.ie. Well, also at this year's awards, there were winners, finalists and other business leaders. So when you've got Ireland's best in a room, well, it's a great opportunity to get inside their minds. Uh, Sean Brett, Steel Tech Chats. Oh, define being an entrepreneur. I'm not sure we have enough time to define being an entrepreneur, but uh, I suppose uh, unique individuals. Um, and and I, I have a thing where the, I have the seven deadly sins of entrepreneurship and sin number one is being a sheep. So entrepreneurs are not cheap. So uh, that's, we're, we're individuals. My name is Elaine Sullivan and I'm the CEO of Carrick Therapeutics. To be an entrepreneur is um, just wanting to create something really special. 
CARIC is really aiming to, tr um, to identify and to launch medicines that really make an impact on patients' lives and cancer. Liam Griffin, uh, Griffin Hotel Group, Monarch Destination Spa. I suppose the first thing, you always feel you're not worthy. You, you know, you just feel I haven't done enough really. But at the end of the day, you realise you have and it gives you a bit of self-confidence. But to be an entrepreneur means that you, you've, you've proven at least that you've actually got up off your backside and made a difference. And I think I've made a difference. Noel O'Hanlon, I'm the CEO of Genesis Automation. Entrepreneurship means somebody who has essentially got the get-up-and-go and the perseverance to when all things are difficult to keep going. That's really what it boils down to, in my opinion. Is it all about business or is it about more than just business? I think it's more, you know, if you if you are really, really uh, feel very strongly about your company, it's more than business. It's about getting it right. It's about doing the right thing. My company, we're involved in hospitals, uh, software for hospitals. So if we get it wrong, people could die. So it's more than just business. It's life or death situation some, in some times, you know. I'm Bill Woolsey and my company is Biancor Limited, which is a hospitality group. Entrepreneurship to me should be people who make a successful business and are intent on putting something back into the community that 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 put them in the place they, they, they that they are. Michael Dawson and uh, I have a company called One for All, a gift voucher shop. Very good. So I was a finalist in uh, 2007. What does entrepreneurship mean to you? It means taking risks. Uh, it means uh, being sort of robust and, and resilient uh, and it means coming up with sort of pretty good ideas that nobody else has come up with. <laughs> I'm Pat Rigney, the, the founder and managing director of the Shed Distillery of PJ Rigney in Drumshambo, County Leitrim. I guess for me it's living with uncertainty every day. It's getting up and being inspired and building things from nothing and, and having the, I suppose, the, the wherewithal to actually see them through to the end. <laughs> I'm Sandra Whelan. I'm the Chief Operations Officer of Your Education Holdings. And I'm David Whelan, the CEO of Your Education. For me, really, it's achieving what people think is impossible and really surprising yourself day to day and going, do you know what, we actually done quite well when we got that deal across the line and, and keep doing that really is the sign of a true entrepreneur. Well, really, I think just that things like leadership skills and stuff can be taught, but I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to have a certain amount of grit and a certain amount of, you know, willing to, if you get knocked down, to get back up again. So I think there are traits that are instilled within somebody that you could call an entrepreneur and the rest you can teach after that. Dan Kiley, Foxborough. Linda Kiley, Foxborough. Tenacity. You just, it's very hard work. And, you know, rejigging and rethinking. You've got to be a little bit crazy to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> so that's, um, that's a given, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> Well, from the architects of business to the architects of this very event, I am joined now by Frank O'Keefe, who is the managing partner for EY Ireland, and by Kevin McLaughlin, the partner uh, lead responsible for Entrepreneur of the Year. Welcome both of you, you. to the architects of business. Um, what have you thought of the calibre of the finalists for this year? Really happy with the calibre of the finalists this year, as, I suppose as we are every year, but um, it's a great mix of people, great mix of sectors, great mix of businesses and a really good spread across the, the country. And I suppose one thing that we've been trying to drive really hard is to, to increase the level of female entrepreneurs in the programme. And this year, I think, is our highest ever. I think we have nine out of 24 finalists who are female, which is fantastic. But overall, I think just a really good reflection of how vibrant the entrepreneurial scene is in Ireland. And then the winners, teamwork, yep. Yep. why were they chosen? How did they put their head above the... The parapet? 
Well, that's a really good question. Maybe one for the judges. Uh, <laughs> we do have an independent judging panel, uh, which is chaired by Anne Herity. And that's really important for our EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme because, you know, this programme is for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. So we've asked all of our, well, a number of our previous winners to actually chair and also be part of our judging panel. And our 24 finalists actually go through quite a rigorous process, not just the CEO retreat that Kevin hosts to really challenge our entrepreneurs, but a judging process where they come in and they spend individual time with our judges and our judges assess them, go off and think about it and come back then with category and overall winners. So it really is a very important decision that the judges know they have to make. But every year, I believe they come up with the right one. And Teamwork is just an incredible company. The guys, you know, have been working incredibly hard, building their business, building markets over the last number of years. And, and I actually think that this is only the start for them. You know, this is a business that you really, we should all in Ireland watch out for as they go onto the global stage. To see who's coming down the slide. Well, yeah. Well, that's not something I would do every day. <laughs> but actually, really tough decision for the judges because I think the standard has been very high and very even. So no obvious winners. And I think it's great for Teamwork.com. It's great, great accolade for them. Yeah. Listen, does it change much on a year-by-year basis, the kind of the atmosphere on the, 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 you know, the retreats and things like that, depending on who the finalists are in any given year? Well, we've both been involved. Yeah, and maybe, for quite a while. <laughs> uh, maybe, Frank, you might cover your, your time on it and I'll kind of bring it up to date if you want. Yeah, sure. Um, I actually sat in Kevin's shoes for a number of years. I ran the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme for five years up to 2014. Um, you know, the common traits of the entrepreneurs haven't changed. You know, their purpose in relation to being able to see opportunity, take that opportunity to, I suppose, um, being able to understand the, the markets and the customers that they can go after, but to also understand the importance they have to creating a legacy and what they do to try and ensure that they give their time to charities, to younger people, to schools and all the work that we do with the entrepreneurs outside of the programme. So their core attributes are quite special as individuals. What I did notice over, the, over time was how digitalization started to really take hold, not just in Ireland, but globally, and how different types of entrepreneurs with different skill sets were coming through our program. So, you know, technology sector was always really important. Life sciences now is an incredibly important, or was uh, from 2010 to 2014. But let's not forget all of those brilliant entrepreneurs around Ireland who have different businesses, manufacturing businesses, supply businesses, the heartbeat of Ireland, they were also coming to the fore, but in a slightly different way because they were using better robotics and better artificial intelligence to really help them deliver a superb product to a wider market. Yeah, I mean, four years on, I'm still trying to fill Frank's shoes. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose what, what, I, what I would add to that, probably in terms of what I've seen, because the last four years has been a really interesting time globally in terms of economically and a huge amount of uncertainty around Brexit and uh, and all kinds of things happening internationally. And actually, I think the characteristics that, that Frank has described, I mean, the one that really stands out for me is just resilience. So yeah. entrepreneurs will confront all of this uncertainty, all of this change, and they'll kind of navigate through it no matter what where they're based, what size their businesses are. That's a fantastic thing to see in action. But listen, I mean, this Absolutely. is a fantastic event celebrating lots of you know, successful people. But do you detect a little bit of a cloud hanging over the sector right now with, as you mentioned there, Brexit? Do you know, uh, and maybe it's down to the, the, the entrepreneurial mindset. I, I actually think, 
entrepreneurs are, are, are different. They look at things in a very different way. So they look at problems and they look actually at how they get around yeah. these problems. They'll always be looking for solutions. And I mean, Brexit at this stage, I suppose, has been on the go for a couple of years. And I think most entrepreneurs have already responded to that. They're already chasing new markets, mm-hmm. new opportunities. And that's not to minimise the impact that Brexit has, particularly for businesses in Ireland that are exporting uh, into the UK. Yeah, I, I'd actually agree with that. I think that's a brilliant answer because, you know, when we look at our entrepreneurs, they're in the market fast. They're in the market early. Brexit, no doubt, is going to cause huge disruption for industry in Ireland exporting into the UK. And no doubt a lot of our entrepreneurs will affect their businesses. However, there's other items that, and other challenges, but other opportunities that are out there. So when you look at global climate change, you look at the speed of drugs to market, you know, you look at even international tax trade, um, artificial intelligence, robotics. Entrepreneurs have to think about a huge amount of items. Brexit is definitely one. But because we're a small island of six million people and we have such fantastic entrepreneurial spirit, most of our entrepreneurs think global from the start. And that's the uniqueness, I believe, of the Irish entrepreneurs. The market is never big enough for their ambition. So they will travel, they will go around the world and they will think about how they connect with different people and different businesses. So Brexit's an issue but they've many more to also consider. And it strikes me from having met a lot of the, the, the alumni so far myself that actually that ambition to export mm. almost starts earlier in a company's uh, existence at this stage. Is that something you've seen as well? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> if you think about most Irish businesses, it, the Irish market is a tiny market mm. and there's mm. very few businesses, I think, that can survive entirely off the basis of the Irish economy. So I think Irish businesses are always have that mindset that growth is much more likely going to come outside, you know, and by expanding their horizons and looking internationally than necessarily domestically. So what do you see as your purpose in in running this event? Well, I think as as a business, um, we're very focused on purpose overall. And I think for us, we have something that we're very kind of passionate about, which is building a better working Mm -hmm. world. I suppose how we distill that down in terms of the programme here, it is really trying to be a voice for entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. in Ireland. And that's very much to try and recognise the contribution that entrepreneurs make. And that's not necessarily about awards. It's about how they create jobs, how they create employment in places that actually a lot of big business won't even consider in a short list. Mm -hmm if you like, very loyal to to where they grow up, where their roots are, and very passionate about giving back. And that's Mm -hmm. a very practical thing. It's about creating economic activity, creating jobs, stimulating growth, um, you know, Mm -hmm. in their home, uh, basically. Is that something that's maybe a little bit overlooked in this country when we're so keen to draw in the big multinational brands and have them have their EMEA headquarters here? Maybe we're not paying as much attention to the needs of people actually just setting something up, planting a seed here and hoping yeah. it'll grow? I, I think if you if you think about, you know, the challenges of growth, say, in somewhere like Dublin, which is around, you know, infrastructure, the cost of housing, trying to actually recruit people. Um, but actually, you know, if we are around balanced growth, regional growth, I mean, the entrepreneurs are a huge part of how you could unlock that. Yeah. The other thing is, I wouldn't dismiss foreign direct investment in Ireland and the value and the benefits that it brings actually to entrepreneurship. Because what we find an awful lot of our entrepreneurs were entrepreneurs in very large businesses. But what they've done is they've spotted a niche in an area or a sector that they really like. And often they might work in FDI, either in, you know, some of our big cities, Dublin, Cork, Belfast, etc. 
they mightn't necessarily want to raise their family there, but they'll often go home to their own communities, set up that business, have access through technology and grow local employment. So I actually think FDI is, is you know, very well suited for entrepreneurship. The one thing that we do in EY uh, through our Entrepreneur of the Year program is really try and put the best of entrepreneurs on a pedestal so that they have access to new markets, but access to customers. That's a door opener for them being part of the program and actually talent. And by showcasing our entrepreneurs and showcasing their brilliant stories, it actually attracts an awful lot of people who've also worked in FDI, built brilliant skills, and now want to take on the opportunity to work with our entrepreneurs. I guess when it, when it comes, though, to those entrepreneurs uh, seeking to kind of make their voices heard with, uh, you know, the government and with regulators, uh, you know, what you guys do probably transforms, you know, just singular voices into a whole chorus. I mean, is there a potential power in that? I mean, I think we're, we're particularly happy this year that we've hit a milestone where we've over 500 yeah. people now have been through the programme and, and they, that's a, a group that will are essentially our alumni and that's a hugely powerful group within itself. Um, you know, hugely supportive of each other. Um, I think almost two-thirds of them will have done business yeah. together. But actually, um, it now is a really good reflection of domestic indigenous business across the country, across all sectors. And, uh, I mean, they are very motivated to mm-hmm. engage deeply with uh, the government on challenges that they face um, from a, you know, a local business perspective, um, but also, you know, to kind of help government see the opportunities and how entrepreneurs can actually unlock both those opportunities and how government might be able to deal some of the challenges that help them to do that. So what's the top of their list of priorities? Uh? I think like a, like a lot of us, I would say talent is probably mm-hmm. number one. And, um, you know, everybody needs talent to grow and entrepreneurs are no different, I guess, than any other business in that respect. But mm-hmm. it's a very competitive market. Um, I would say for, again, small businesses, bureaucracy, red mm-hmm. tape, all of those things, to the extent that that can be reduced or minimized will help those businesses. I think the way Frank described them as being really nimble in terms of how they operate rather than necessarily being slowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably unleashing the shackles a little bit mm-hmm. and taxation I think we are you know in a country where levels of taxation are, are, are considerably uh, higher perhaps than, than a lot of other countries and and I think particularly the notion of relief for entrepreneurs which is quite a healthy regime in the UK is quite limited in Ireland and that's not about giving tax breaks to entrepreneurs that really is about unlocking the, the pot that entrepreneurs will reinvest because 90% of them who've exited will actually go again and, and again do the same things around creating employment and economic activity. The one thing, Kevin, you're so right around the 500 EY alumni that we now have in our programme from tonight. Like, what a milestone. But, you know, there's power in their collective voice. So those 500 entrepreneurs generate 18 billion euros in revenue annually and they employ over 220,000 people on the island of Ireland in every community, north and south. So there's real power in that collective voice. 500 entrepreneurs have at least 500 different agendas. But the <laughs> most important thing about our alumni and our alumni board is that they work collectively to try and understand, not just for themselves, but also for indigenous businesses, SMEs and entrepreneurship on the island of Ireland, how they can use that collective voice to try and make sure that entrepreneurship is in the thoughts of policymakers all of the time. So listen, you're sending now teamwork off to, uh, to Monaco to compete against uh, winners from all over the world for the, for the world title. Um, how do you think they're going to do? 
I that's a really tough question <laughs> for you, Kevin. <laughs> well, I think I think our entrepreneurs, um, all of our winners that have been to Monaco, have have done a fantastic job of re- representing themselves and their businesses. They've done a fantastic job of representing the program and representing Ireland. Yep. And like true entrepreneurs, they're in an environment where there's sixty other country winners. There's a raft of other policymakers, business people in town for a week, yeah. and they absolutely capitalise yeah. on all of yeah. the opportunities. They become ambassadors. Yeah, great ambassadors. What a network, right? Great network. And and they fully exploit that, which is so great opportunity for them. We put on a lot of really challenging, good thought leadership, great topics around family business, around, I think, a lot of what Frank has talked about, innovation and mm-hmm. uh, and all of that. So they learn lots, but actually they connect with huge amount of businesses. Um, and But they, they perform so well for us yeah, over there. Absolutely. No they're doubt. huge ambassadors for their alumni and they're huge ambassadors for Ireland. And we do wish teamwork the absolute best in Monaco in June 19. Okay. Kevin, uh, Kevin McLaughlin, Frank O'Keefe, thank you both very much. Thank Cheers. you very much. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Well, that is it for this special edition of the Architects of Business. Congratulations again to Dan and Peter from Teamwork.com, the winners of Entrepreneur of the Year for Ireland 2018. And well done to, indeed, everyone who was shortlisted for this year's programme. It's been a fantastic event. We've heard some really inspirational stories. And thanks to the organisers at EY and the production team here at Joe, including this programme's main man, Patrick Hohey. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll join us again next time. Bye-bye. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland.